When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome into First Take. Thank you for being with us. Good morning, Stephen A. We begin with devastating news and what should have been a celebratory moment in Kansas City. One dead and 21 others were wounded after a shooting near the end of the Chiefs' victory parade. The Chiefs said all players, coaches and staff are accounted for. Three people have been detained and are under investigation, according to the police. Of those wounded by gunfire, eight were immediately life-threatening condition and seven were in life-threatening condition. Children's Mercy Hospital told KMBC-TV that they were treating 12 patients from the rally, 11 of which were children and nine that have gunshot wounds. I'm angry at what happened today. The people who came to this celebration should expect a safe environment. We had over 800 law enforcement officers, Kansas City and other agencies, at the location to keep everyone safe. Because of bad actors, which were very few, this tragedy occurred. Patrick Mahomes made a brief post simply saying praying for Kansas City while Travis Kelsey posted the following. I am heartbroken over the tragedy that took place today. My heart is with all who came out to celebrate with us and have been affected. KC, you mean the world to me. The NFL said in a statement, we are deeply saddened by the senseless shooting that occurred today near the end of a rally in Kansas City for the Chiefs. Our thoughts are with the victims and everyone affected. We are grateful for the quick and thorough response of law enforcement and emergency personnel. Stephen A., I try to be positive most of the time, as you know, but it's a scary world we live in. Heartbreaking on so many levels in what was supposed to be a celebratory occasion, a special occasion in this tragedy and affecting children as well. What was your reaction when you heard this? Um, initially heartbroken. Uh, from the standpoint of knowing that somebody was killed, uh, knowing that another 21 were injured. Uh, then after we read the stories and you recognize it literally happened on the sixth year to the day, the six-year anniversary of the shooting in Parkland, Florida, where kids were killed there as well. You just, it just heightens the level of awareness, uh, the level of fear that has been instilled in our society right now when we see uh, the tragedy that is taking place and we see human beings conducting themselves in an inhumane fashion. It heightens our awareness as it pertains to mental illness in this country, uh, some of the things that are going on. Uh, we never know what role that plays in it. But we also uh, we have to be mindful of the fact that while we are empathetic and sympathetic to those with a mental illness, there are some people out here who are just vile and they're evil. And their definition of happiness is witnessing the world burn. And we really, really have to embrace that and stomach that with the reality that it deserves. 
And the reason I say that, Molly, is because obviously one would like to believe, you know, all of us believe in a higher power. Most of us believe in a higher power and that there's a good Lord above that most of us as human beings would never dream or think to do such a heinous thing. That means that we have to make sure that the souls and the spirit of the many significantly outweighs the few who are vile and are vicious and are inhumane and have no desire whatsoever to see peace and tranquility in this world uh, with black folks, with white folks, with Hispanic folks, with Native Americans, with Asian Americans, with Jewish folks, with Catholics, with everybody. In the end of the day, at the end of the day, we're all the Lord's children and we're all uh, think about a higher place and a better place than the world that we're living in right now. We used to think that way just because we wanted and prided ourselves on holding on to a level of spirituality that's good for all of us and good for our soul. But now we hold on to it because we're praying that it is something better than the world that we're living in right now because it just seems that as the days go on, times are getting worse and worse and worse. And it's gonna be incumbent upon all of us to come together as human beings and as a human race to offset the violent viciousness that exists, including people like myself, you, and others who have a microphone, who have a camera, who have an ability to have a voice that disseminates to the masses. It just heightens our level of sensitivity and awareness, and most importantly, a responsibility uh, to, to try and be as positive as we possibly can be in our own little circle of the world. So we're doing what we can to help make the world a better place. And try to be as safe as possible. Uh, and Stephen A., obviously, we echo the sentiments of the NFL, of a Patrick Mahomes, of a Travis Kelsey, that we're praying for Kansas City, praying for those that are affected, praying for a speedy recovery of those that are still in the hospital. Uh, just devastating. When I when I saw this cross yesterday, it's it's just it's it's heartbreaking and uh, gut wrenching. Yeah. So, yep, praying for all those affected. We'll have more first take after this very quick break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Hey, Molly Karam here, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score beatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code TAKE. That's code TAKE. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. 
No LeBron, no problem. The Lakers' 138-122 win over the Utah Jazz on Wednesday was not only the team's sixth win in its past seven games heading into the NBA All-Star break, but it represented a declaration of identity. That according to Anthony Davis, AD. Not what we can be, but it's who we are. I mean, uh, it's game, whatever, and um, you know we got to have our identity, and we're starting to establish that. Uh, you know, we're gonna be a fast-paced team. Uh, no team like to get in the paint, get to the line, but then you know, also you know, be tenacious on the defensive end. So, uh, creating that identity. Um, you know, for what we have to be moving forward. You know, we can't be coming after All Star and all right, what type of team are we? And uh, this is what we have to be, and all that. Like, this is who we are, uh, and we got to make sure that how we're playing as of late, the past two, three, four weeks, um, you know, keeping the identity and carrying it over to post All Star. Mm, interesting stuff right there. Oh, we've just look at us, a little rainbow right now. Hi, Monica. <laughs> Hi, Brian. Good morning. morning. Good to see you both. Uh, Stephen A., I'm going to start with you. Have the Lakers <laughs> found their identity? Um, it's hard to say because every time you say that, Molly, all of a sudden they nosedive. But let's give credit where credit is due. This is a team that was in the Western Conference Finals last year. This year, this month of February, they're 8-2. and two. Okay, in this month, they're eight and two, rather, when Reeves, Hachimura, and Russell are in the starting lineup together with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So we have to pay attention to that and recognize that level of synergy that we saw them develop in the aftermath of the trading deadline last season was what propelled them to the Western Conference Finals. That's what we're starting to see now. And so then it gives you an opportunity and a license there, I say, to really, really fantasize. Anthony Davis has been a superstar. There is no way around it. This brother shows up night in, night out. You know, I called them Six Flags simply because he was hurt. You know, and you never knew when he was going to play every other game. It was just up and down, up and down. That has not been the case this year. He has shown up. He is a worthy dude for the All-Star. I actually had him as, as a starter in the All-Star game because I think he's been that phenomenal. Um, and if he, if he continues to play like this, if Hachimura, Russell, and Reeves do what they're capable of doing, all of whom, by the way, are averaging 20 points and five assists this month. All four of them, LeBron, AD, D'Angelo Russell, and Austin Reeves are all averaging 20 points and five assists a game at least. If they continue to do that, then that is their identity. And if that's their identity, we can't summarily dismiss their championship aspirations. They won't be anybody's favorite, but we can't dismiss them and the threat that they are because of the greatness of LeBron coupled by the greatness of Anthony Davis. Stephen I agree. You do not close the door on LeBron James, and Anthony Davis is absolutely having an all-star caliber year. 25 and 12, he's been on the floor, which is huge. But on the graphic we have on the bottom here, guys, 6-1 and one in the last seven games. Y'all know who that one is to? It is. The Denver Nuggets. And that's no shade because the Denver Nuggets are the reigning champs in a championship caliber team. And so while I do appreciate AD acknowledging what this team needs to do to be successful, it is going to be so imperative that they do it at an extremely high level to get into that upper echelon. Do I think that this is a team that can possibly move out of that play-in? I'm not ruling it out. They could end up six before it's all said and done. Do I think that this is a top four team? And based on what we've seen in the first half of the season, no. And so I think understanding how they need to play 
It takes a little bit of time. They've landed on it. Now, I still have questions on whether or not they can maintain that consistency because even as we're excited about last night's game, I think Rui Hachimura is a tremendous piece. But what do you put up, 36? Like, there are some outlier things that have happened. And honestly, this it's been a little bit of a tinkering when LeBron James is on the floor. Not that you don't want him on the floor, um, but I think last night was one of those opportunities where guys just felt free because LeBron wasn't available. And so I still think that they are putting it all together. Stephen A., a month ago, if I'd have compared this team to the Showtime Lakers, you would have kicked me off the show. You'd have said, get to the door, don't come back until you get right in the head. But I'm here to kind tell you that over this last 11 games, they have had the best offensive run since 1987. And I realize that we are in an era where it's fast-paced, but the point is that this Lakers offense, which was really their big problem, has been supercharged. They are averaging 126 points in that span. They are third in offense, and they are hitting the second or their second and three-point shooting. This is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league for the first half of the season. So we are definitely in a stretch here. So you look at, well, how, why is that happening? How has that happened? The first answer is D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell moved into the starting lineup about 15 games ago. It actually was a game in Utah. It's sort of he's in between these mm-hmm. two Utah games, and he has just flat up been awesome. You know, the Lakers have been looking for sort of another major contributor. That's what they were sniffing around on in January at the trade deadline, and they got it here. Now, he, now whether or not he is famous in his career for going up and down. He's been an all-star. He's been, he's been benched. And so I have no idea where this is going to continue, but his influx of offense has lifted the Lakers and given them a margin for error. But the second thing, and I think the most important thing, is that they are now playing bigger. With Hachimura in the lineup, they have that huge front line when LeBron plays. And playing big is so important in the Western Conference because the Thunder, as good as they are, struggle with size. The Warriors struggle with size. The Clippers even, at times, struggle with size. And if you're going to go against the Nuggets or you're going to go against the Wolves, you have to play with size. So Darvin Ham going to this lineup, number one, getting Austin Reeves and, and Russell to be playing well together, but also getting effective play from their biggest guys is giving them at least a chance going forward. Well, I will say this. I mean, first of all, let, let's call it what it is. You got the Lakers as the second, you know, second best in offensive rating behind only the Celtics and best assist to turnover ratio in the league for the month of February. We get that. We understand how impressive that is. But we do have to take into account when you bring up historical comparisons, Wendy, this ain't 1987. This ain't 1980. This ain't even 1995. Times have changed significantly, particularly as as it pertains to the style of play in the NBA. The league has fostered more offense, and so we have to take that with a grain of salt and and, and cap it like that. Having said all of that, I do think that the measuring stick is the reigning defending NBA champions. And, you know, all we have to point to is what we see from the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference. Yet they're the best team in the NBA right now, best record, et cetera, et cetera. Got at least a six-game lead on the Cleveland Cavaliers. But let's rewind the clock to last year. Most of us walking into that Miami series against Boston not only had Boston likely winning the series, we were praying they would. Because we suspected Denver would win, and we knew that Miami was just too small and wasn't going to be a good enough matchup for Denver because they were just too undersized. 
In the case of the Boston Celtics, we didn't feel that way. And so when you think about it from that standpoint, now you look at the Lakers. You look at the size that they have, the size that they're capable of putting on the front court. We've been raving about the Clippers for weeks now because the Clippers are an offensive juggernaut, and we get that. But size could potentially be an issue for them. And if size is an issue for them, we're not going to want that problem. We're going to want to see a team that's going up against the Denver Nuggets that legitimately have a shot to beat them. We question the Minnesota Timberwolves because we think they're too young. But we know they have size. We know the Lakers Mm -hmm. have size. But are they too old? You see what I'm saying? So you just wonder (laughs) about it from that standpoint. And and that's where you are. Uh, But I'm hopeful that this this is a sign of times to come for the Los Angeles Lakers. Because if it is, they could make another run to the conference finals. Yeah. Um, Monica, I think your room service is ready if you want to get that. I think your, I think your omelet, I heard your omelet and your pancakes are right outside the door. If you really? want to go get it. I no got pancakes, Molly, but omelet, yes. I got a quick take for Stephen A. I know you're on your I knew it was 30. a food order. I, I knew it was a food order, M&M. You, you, can, you can go take that call. Uh, okay, quick take. Let's get it. Stephen A., uh, check on this full court pregame shot from Steph Curry. All right, I need to just watch this, too. Unreal, but Stephen A., does this even surprise you from him anymore because he's just so ridiculous? Nothing involving shooting surprises me from Steph Curry. I've been in attendance back in the day at the Oracle where I saw this brother pull up from the tunnel and literally make shots. It's what he does. And so to me, I've religiously stated He's the greatest shooter God has ever created. There is no distance. There is no angle. He can't shoot from and make shots that normal humans simply can't yeah. make. He's just that special as a shooter, as a marksman. Yeah. Well, it looks like the Clippers were the better shooters last night, though. So let's get into that. Without Kawhi Leonard, yeah. the Clippers overcame a 15-point deficit and 41 points from Stephen Curry to win 130-125 versus the Warriors on the road. Steph, how would you characterize your team right now? Very average. Very average doesn't get it done in this league, so you got to, you know, we need to make a run. Hopefully get bounced back tomorrow and then, you know, after the All-Star break, hit a stride that you win every game here and steal some on the road. But we've been very average so far, so got to regain that home court fear that we've, you know, been accustomed to in the past. Steph dropping a cool 41. Monica, was it egg whites or real eggs? <laughs> um, real eggs, spinach, broccoli, red onions, uh, red tomatoes, and mushrooms. Not and red tomatoes, red peppers. No, and, and no dairy either. You're, 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 really, you're really getting it tight, getting it right, right? We're, we're about six months yes, out from, from travel time. All right, uh, Monica, tell me this. Clippers come back or Warriors collapse? Clippers come back. And to Stephen A's earlier point, or Wendy, excuse me, made the point about size, this was a demonstration of the size that causes problems on, in the Western Conference. In the fourth quarter, you guys, the Lakers out, or excuse me, the Clippers out-rebounded the Warriors 14 to 7. Norm Powell hit some huge threes. In that last minute or so of the ball game, it might be 90 seconds, the Clippers came up with multiple huge offensive rebounds to stun the or to stunt the opportunities that the Warriors would have. And so I think for me, the Clippers are a team that we all have watched and said that is a championship caliber unit. 
In terms of them being one of the more impressive teams that I have seen this season, particularly in person, it is because of their ability to create so much command and force on both sides of the basketball. And last night, you saw them do that without Kawhi Leonard because for a stretch there until that fourth quarter, you actually wondered if their personality would turn on to the team that we think is a championship caliber. This was a very impressive win for the Clippers. Uh, Ty Lue got ejected with nine minutes left in this game, trying to argue that one of his guys got flayed and fouled. No Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Paul George was in foul trouble and kind of went through periods of this game where he was struggling. This was really an indication of where they are as a team. But I really want to speak about the Warriors real quick because um, this was the sixth time this season that they've had a 15-point lead and lost it and lost the game. They, are, they have played 36 clutch time games this year where it's inside five points, inside five minutes, and they're 17 and 19 in those games. And as Steph was just talking about, they haven't been good at home. They're 500 at home. And, you know, that's the thing about this team. The reason you still give them an opportunity is because you see all these numbers and say, my gosh, if they could just tighten up, they could handle their business, Draymond could get control of himself. And by the way, He's starting to, you know, lose it a little bit. You know, he's got his first technical since the suspension the other night. Last night he was kind of all over the place. Um, he's walking the line a little bit. He's playing great defense, but he's walking the line a little bit. That's another topic. Um, they, they, Their talent level, even as they've struggled to figure out their lineups to play and dealt with Clay's issues this year, they are much better than their record of 500. They have let a lot of stuff go, and so therefore they have blown their, their margin for error. And now they're sitting there two games behind the Lakers, uh, playing a very tough back-to-back tonight in Utah in a makeup game. So I, I really have no sympathy for them. They should be in much better position, uh, and they've just let too many games go, especially on their home court, and last night was another example. Well, because it was another example, we can sit up there and, and surmise that it's about the Warriors, but I'm going to give the, the Clippers some love here, even though I do like what I've been seeing from the Warriors lately since Draymond's return. Their defense is obviously elevated exponentially, and then you look at Jonathan Kaminga. I can't say enough about what I'm seeing from this young brother right here. If Klay Thompson gets that stroke going, who knows what the Golden State Warriors can do. They can be a lethal, lethal threat for anybody in the Western Conference. Having said all of that, I got to get a moment to give some love to the Los Angeles Clippers. Okay, let's look at this right here. Since December 1st, yeah. number one, mm-hmm. best record in the NBA, 28-7. and seven. Number one in offensive efficiency, leads the NBA at 122.8 points per 100 possessions. Field goal percentage shooting, 50.7%. That's third in the NBA. Three-point field goal percentage shooting. They're at 48.9%. Leads the NBA. Free throw percentage shooting at 84.1%. Guys, we lamented James Harden and what transpired in Philadelphia. The brother has not missed a game since he's arrived in Los Angeles for the Clippers. He's played every single game. I think it's all 48 games, if I remember correctly. So we got to take that into consideration. I already gave love to Russell Westbrook last week. His leadership, the energizer bunny he is coming off the bench. We just finished pointing out, Wendy, how... Draymond Green, it's like, you know, be careful, be careful, be careful because, you know, he seems to to be, you know, being on that edge again. You watch Russell Westbrook last night, Wendy? He's the he, he's the, the, the deflating situation. Yeah, he's sitting yeah, yeah. up there grabbing folks and making sure everybody's okay. Just yes. separate peace and love, everybody. Let's just play basketball. <laughs> this is Russell Westbrook we're talking about here, okay? <laughs> right. I mean, so it's he's right. been absolutely phenomenal. And then I look at this kid, Norman Powell, who we never mentioned. 
First of all, you can't mm-hmm. leave him alone in the left corner. Don't bother. It's money. It's a three waiting to happen. Don't leave that brother alone in the left corner. He's making the three. That's number one. He had 4-4. Four, four. Yes, last night from threes. He ends up scoring 21 points in the fourth quarter, okay? They outscored the Warriors 44-28. to They shoot 62% in the fourth quarter. And I'm just looking at them right now, and I'm like, my God. These Clippers, uh, listen, we're worried about size. And obviously, Kawhi Leonard was out last night, all right, and they won without him. And Paul George, damn it, stopped getting into foul trouble and, and, and fouling out or, ver- or being on the verge of fouling out in these games. Just stop it, Paul. We need you on the court. But I'm looking at the Clippers, and I'm like, yo, they are special. Make no mistake about it. They could. They, they, they could win the West. They really could. Yeah, and I, I think 100%. it's a character – a character win because this is the last game before the All-Star break. They're down 15. They're on the road. They don't have Kawhi. Their coach is ejected. Uh, you know, nobody would fault them for packing it up, and we'll see you next week. By the way, same thing for the Lakers. Lakers are playing the second night of a back-to-back in Utah. What's the record for history for guys playing teams playing the second night of a back-to-back in Utah the night before the beginning of the All-Star break? Both those character wins. And obviously the Clippers are in a better place than the Lakers, but that impresses me. And what the Clippers did, especially after, you know, Ty Lue doesn't get, doesn't lose his control. You know, uh, that's very rare for Ty Lue to lose control and get ejected. And they very responded rare. to that. I was, I, that was a, I, I, I was focused on the Warriors, but you are right, Stephen A. That said a lot about the Clippers, the way they handled their business last night. I just want to add, I had the Clippers in Miami a week ago, something, whatever. And I was talking to the guys and I asked them to put in perspective what this time of year feels like on the NBA calendar. And it was actually Josh Richardson who started it and said this time feels like repetitive Thursdays. But Norm Powell actually chimed in and said it feels like repetitive Mondays. But because we are a veteran team, we understand the noise of the trade deadline. We understand the momentum that you can get going into the All-Star break and how you need to come out of the All-Star break. And so while we talk about teams that may be too young and then we talk about teams that might be too old, It seems like the Clippers have struck this perfect chord of guys that have experience, seasoning, obviously talent, and the supporting cast in terms of Norm Powell, Trey Mann, the bigs they've got, Zubox, Plumlee, Tice. Like, it is really, really working well. And I am so impressed with the force that they play with on both sides of the ball. Well, we're going to, Zubak and Plumlee are going to be a key if you're going to go against Jokic. And speaking of James Harden, guys. Uh, again, all 48 games since he's arrived in Los Angeles, hasn't missed a single game. Last night we didn't hear from him in the fourth quarter because of Norman Powell. Just yeah. as an aside, James Harden, 26-8-7 and seven. Mm. last night. Mm-hmm. And that was with a quiet fourth quarter. Hey, Molly Karam here, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. When you're on a business trip, you know what goes completely off the rails? Your workout routine especially when you book a hotel that doesn't have a gym. So what ends up happening is you do a few push-ups, sit-ups in your room, run around the block, or you just skip it entirely. Lame. If you just stay at La Quinta by Wyndham, you'll discover there's a fully equipped fitness center at every location. Now you can wake up, power your buys, your tries the right way, or de-stress with a little cardio. The choice is yours. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. 
The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. But let's stay in the Bay. We're going to switch to the gridiron now, Stephen A. So after just one season as the 49ers defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes is out as head coach. Kyle Shanahan announced the move to the media yesterday afternoon. The 49ers became the third team to hold Patrick Mahomes below 20 points in regulation in the playoffs. Here's Kyle Shanahan on that move. Uh, He's a great football coach. But just where we're going, where we're at with our team, um, from a scheme standpoint and things like that, I felt pretty strongly that this was a decision that was best for our organization. I'm committed to trying, with the situation we're in, trying to find what we believe will give the Niners the best chance in 2024. And when you have a group of guys who have played at a high level doing certain things um, a specific way for a while, I do feel that's the best thing to do for them. Obviously, just to be clear, Wilkes, the former D.C., Kyle Shanahan, of course, the head coach. The 49ers were one of the top defenses in the league in the regular season, allowing just 17.5 points per game on 304 yards per game. However, in the postseason, the Niners gave up eight more points and 100 more yards per game. All right. We bring in two-time Super Bowl champ, Damian Woody. Great to see you, sir. Hello, company in NYC. Uh, Stephen A., do you think it's a bad look by Shanahan to part ways with Wilk so quickly? I'm going to say this. I think it should be a bad look. I'm disgusted. And and, and my heart goes out to my brother Steve Wilkes uh, because he keeps getting screwed over time and time and time again. Arizona, Carolina, here he is in San Francisco. You're there for your first year, one year. You have the top three ranked defense in the National Football League. Okay? Then you get to the postseason, and I get the struggles. He was going against Jordan Love. He was going up against a Detroit Lions team that's loaded offensively, and they came back from a huge deficit and won that NFC Championship game. And correct me if I'm wrong, Woody, even though Patrick Mahomes went down the field, game-time field goal, overtime, game-winning touchdown, I think that San Francisco's defense played pretty damn well. I don't think anybody would deny that collectively over the course of those those 60 minutes plus for the Super Bowl, you expected Kansas City's offense to look a little bit better than it did. But Steve Wilkes' defense had something to do with them negating that. Here's my whole point. When you are a leader, you have the right to look at your personnel and say, I think we need to go in a different direction. So I'm not trying to fault Shanahan for that. I'm just sick and tired of folks getting certain chances that other people don't get. Kyle Shanahan has been an offensive coordinator in three Super Bowls. All three, he's had double-digit leads. All three, he's lost. Now, one was as the offensive coordinator. Why do I hold him accountable for that? Because you were up 28-3. to You were up 25 points. And what you needed to do was primarily run the football, not throw the football, so Matt Ryan wouldn't be throwing incomplete passes that would stop the clock and give Tom Brady and those boys more bites at the apple. You didn't do it. You became a head coach. Years later, you got a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. You get outscored 21 to nothing by Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Steve Wilkes wasn't your defensive coordinator then, okay? But somebody else is gone, but you're still there. Now we fast forward to a few years later, and once again, you got a double-digit lead in the Super Bowl, okay? You've got a team that spent 57-plus minutes holding the Kansas City Chiefs to under 20 points, and you still can't win a game, but Steve Wilkes is out of a job 
but you keep yours. And you're like, I think we need to modify, and I think we need to do things better. How about you need to be better, Kyle Shanahan? How about you need to be better? How about firing yourself? And I'm not advocating that you do because I think he's a hell of a coach. I think Kyle Shanahan is a great coach and a great football mind. But it just amazes me how certain guys get to hold others accountable when they themselves have wet the bed. What if somebody sat up there and said, well, you know what, this one year that Steve Wilkes was the defensive coordinator for the team, what about the one year you were the offensive coordinator and you blew a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl? What about the other year when you had a double-digit lead as a head coach in the Super Bowl and you blew that? What if you didn't get another bite at the apple to come back and get, and get at it? If you're so great, how come you can't work with somebody in Steve Wilkes, who obviously did a damn good job, and say, there are things that I want to modify here, and I want you to do that in order for us to be better? How about that? It would be nice to see something like that or them to articulate that that is what's transpired because I'm not behind the doors and I don't see what exact communication they have with one another. But it seems like these golden boys always get numerous bites at the apple where folks like Steve Wilkes get screwed over, and that's a damn shame. <clears throat> yeah, listen, I was, um, I was shocked, to be honest with you. When I saw the, the text from, I mean, the tweet from Adam Schefter, I was shocked that they, you know, that Kyle Shanahan let go of Steve Wilkes. And uh, listen, Stephen, you, you, you kind of mentioned it, but look at these numbers right here. Steve Wilkes, compared to D'Amico Ryans, who was the defensive coordinator the, the, pre, the prior two years as a defensive coordinator who went on to become the head coach of Houston, Texas, had better, better points per game, better yards, better turnovers per game. He improved on all three categories over D'Amico Ryans, okay? And if we're talking about the Super Bowl, think about this. The only score, the only touchdown that the 49ers gave up during, the, during regulation was off of a muff punt. Off of a muff punt. Right. What we call sudden change in football. So they were already in scoring position, okay? That was the only touchdown that the 49ers gave up in regulation. And so my question is, what about the five all, what about the five all pros on offense for the 49ers? And not, that's not even including Brock, the year Brock Purdy had and Brandon Ayuk, who had over 1,300 yards. Where do they – how are they culpable? What about the play calling Kyle Shanahan? Okay, the, the offensive wizard that we, that we proclaim him to be. What about him in this, in this Super Bowl? You touched upon his, the other uh, Super Bowls. They had a double-digit lead a couple years ago against this very same Kansas City Chiefs team, which they lost. The 28-3 debacle when he was offensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons. They lost that game. And so, for me, it's the lack of accountability for Kyle Shanahan in this particular situation. I kind of look at him as like Andy Reid when Andy Reid was with the Philadelphia Eagles. He yeah. could get there, but he couldn't get over the hump. And last but not least for me, for Steve Wilkes, again, Stephen A., you talked about it. It just sucks, man, because when you look at Steve Wilkes and all the stops that he had in Arizona, he didn't get a fair shot. Out in one year, then they go out and hire Cliff Kingsbury, and we know how that whole thing went down out there. Then he goes and he goes to uh, Carolina. Okay, he's the, uh, the defensive coordinator. Matt Rule gets relieved of his duty. Okay, Steve Wilkes become the interim. That team completely turns around to the point where most people right. thought he was going to get elevated to 
to the permanent head coaching spot. He didn't get it. They go out and hire Frank Wright, and what happened the very next year? Frank Wright gets fired during the season. Okay? And now, yeah. okay, now he becomes the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers wow. and gets relieved after one year as the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers after improving on the numbers right. that D'Amico Ryans had two years as, as defensive coordinator. So, I just feel like Steve Wilkes is just, man, it, 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 it really sucks that what's happening was transpired. He can't catch a break. He can't. He can't catch a break in any of these situations. Right. And it, I just feel so well, bad for Steve Wilkes. And, and, and this is the thing. You know, it's interesting. I'm going to make you laugh because you know me. You know, I'm not, I, I don't invite confrontation, but I'm not scared of it. You know, I do what I do for a living, and what comes with it comes with it. Peace. I'm, I'm trying to be peaceful, but, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be, you know, because you got to do your job. And I'm at Super Bowl week in Vegas, and uh, I'm in a hallway and, you know, uh, before going to some party, and, and Mr. Cliff Kingsbury is walking by with his crew of people. <laughs> you know, so they all saw me, and then you just saw them, like, ugh, ugh, and then they kept walking, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm with, I'm, with, I'm with my crew, and I ain't going to say anything, you know. I'm not going to cause any trouble, but not that I wanted to anyway, but I was hoping he came up to me. I was hoping he had a conversation because if you're watching Cliff Kingsbury, this is a perfect example of what we're talking about. I am not saying that Cliff Kingsbury doesn't know football. I am not saying that he's somebody that I advocate to not have a job or to get fired from a job. That's not what I'm saying. Repeatedly, what I've tried to say about the Cliff Kingsbury of the world is that when it comes to us, when it comes to us, you have to pay attention to the process. The process matters. When you look at Steve Wilkes and the fact that after a bad season, he's out after one year, you come in out of Texas Tech where you didn't really accomplish much in your six years there. You get the job primarily because of some relationship you seem to have with Colin Murray. And then you don't enjoy success as a head coach. You end up landing another head coaching job in the National Football League, okay? And all I'm saying is... Well, how come that can't be the case for Steve Wilkes? You might not want to hire Steve Wilkes for a head coach. I understand he struggled in Arizona, but when he took over in the interim job in Carolina after week five in 2022, they, went, they were a 500 team. They ain't been 500 since he left, okay? And now you're the defensive coordinator in San Francisco. All you did was get to a Super Bowl. All you did was beat Jordan Love and Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions to get there and nearly beat Patrick Mahomes. That's all you did. And to be in the Super Bowl and for you to lose your job and for the head coach who's blown not one, not two, but three double-digit leads as the head coach and as an offensive coordinator in his career in football, for him to sit there with a straight face and be able to tell the media Hey, you know what? I just thought that it was the, in the best interest that we, we, we needed to make the change. It's amazing how the folks that you're still waiting on to close the deal get to make the decisions that closes careers while they keep theirs wide open along with that of their buddies. It really, really is amazing to me. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. One year is quite a short leash. Brought to you by the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles in everything you buy and turn everyday purchases into extraordinary trips. Plus, receive premium travel benefits, like access to over 1,300 airport lounges and a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. Unlock a whole new world of travel with a Capital One Venture X card. What's in your wallet? 
Term supply, lounge access is subject to change. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hey, I'm Molly Caram, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Uh, Quick take. Stephen A., are you concerned about your Knicks as they have lost five of their last six games heading into the All-Star break and they've been on quite a tear? Not at all. Not at all. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell y'all something. Everybody just relax. Just calm down. Mid back of shells. We're going to be all right. Orange and blue skies, baby. Orange and blue skies. Look at the New York Knicks situation right now. Out, Julius Randle. Out, Mitchell Robinson. Out, OG Ananobi. They don't have anybody playing right now. I'm just looking at some of these numbers right here, right? Dante DiVincenzo, Hardenstein, and even newcomer Bogdanovich, none of them played last night either. I mean, damn, you only had four of your ten players available to you. Uh, Poor Brunson, Jalen Brunson out there by himself. I'm not concerned, and I'm telling you why I'm not concerned. My biggest concern is that they were all healthy and Tom Thibodeau will run him into the ground because nobody prioritizes game after game after game during the regular season than him. He'd run him ragged, and by the time the playoffs arrived, their legs would be lost. I don't have to worry about that right now. They are getting their legs rested. I mean, you got Julius with a shoulder injury, okay? Uh-huh. I'm, I'm looking at that, and I'm saying, OG's going to be all right. Mitchell Robinson has been out for months. Do you imagine the fresh legs that are going to be available for the New York Knicks when they come back? They might get to get their win together, but those legs are going to be spry, and that's all I'm concerned about. I got one slight uh, – no, this is the major concern. Right now you're the fourth seed. So you play Boston in the second round. I'd be concerned, obviously, about that. But as long as they can find a way to avoid Boston – for the second round, I think my Knicks have got a shot to be in the conference finals. Man, back shells, baby. Get your rest. Stay there. And damn it, if you're ready to go today, take off the weekend. Monica. It's all-star weekend anyway. Go to Cabo. Get some rest. Get a massage. You know what I'm saying? Do what you got to do. And we'll be all right. Hey, I'm not worried about it at all. New quick, York Knicks, Mon- baby. Monica, New York you, Knicks. you cover this team. What are you seeing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Stephen A is right about the injuries, and you have to keep that in mind as they navigate. But even through that, there's been some quality minutes for some guys that you're going to need as the team makes a push, hopefully, to the Eastern Conference Finals, if not beyond. Wendy? All right. Wendy, you're getting in on the Celtics. I'm coming to you. The NBA-leading Boston Celtics routed the Nets 136-86 on Wednesday night for their sixth straight win, tied with the Mavs for the longest active winning streak. It was the final game for both teams prior to the All-Star break. Last night was the Celtics' second win by 50 or more points this season, making them just the third team in NBA history with multiple 50-point wins in a season, joining the 92-93 Kings, 78-79 Bucks. 
Okay, Wendy, I lied. I'm, I'm actually going to Stephen A first, but you, but you, you could be first to counterpunch, okay, Wendy? And your hair looks amazing. I don't know who Thank did you. it today out there. And yours there too, Molly. In L.A. Does it? Thank you. Oh, Appreciate Lord, it. please don't tell her that. Please don't tell her that. Keep those thoughts to yourself, Stop it, Wendy. Stephen A. Please don't tell her that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Stephen A., do I'm surprised you're even awake. All right, tell me this. Where do you have Jason Tatum essay right now in the MVP race? Wendy! Eminem, I got Jason Tatum as the leading candidate for league MVP. I knew you was going to say this. Now that Joel Embiid is out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Does winning matter? Does being the best player on the best team matter? I'd say it does. I'm looking at a brother that was averaging 30 last year, sixth in the NBA. He's now averaging 27. I got some of the numbers here right now, okay? Tatum is one of four players averaging 27 and 8 along with Embiid, Luka, and Giannis, okay? We know Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Dallas ain't what they ain't what Boston is. They've got the best record in basketball. They've got a six-game cushion in the Eastern Conference. Jason Tatum even has a teammate that's getting paid more than him at $300 million in Jalen Brown, okay? This man, Jason Tatum. Oh, by the way, in case you want to look, Career-high 56% on two-point shots, okay? Shooting 37% in the paint in the non-restricted area. Shooting 44% from mid-range. We know he's in a 30% tile up, a 30% tile in three-point shooting. The brother is something special. 6'9", can take you outside, can take you inside, can post you up, can face the basket and pull up, can hit your threes, he can hit free throws. The brother is a juggernaut. He is the best player on the Boston Celtics. He is the best player on the best team in the NBA. And I'm saying we ain't going to ignore this brother any longer. Right now, with Joel Embiid, when he was playing, it was him. But now that he's out for the foreseeable future, therefore ineligible for a league MVP award, the leading candidate for league MVP should be the one and only Jason Tatum for the Boston Celtics. Well, you say he should be, but Stephen A., he is not. And before I even say this, I just want to point out, I am a big believer in Jason Tatum. I can close my eyes and see him holding the Larry O'Brien trophy in one hand and holding the Bill Russell trophy in the other. I believe he has the talent and ability to accomplish everything in the NBA. But the voters are unmoved by him. And I'm not just projecting that. Tim Bontemps MVP poll came out two days ago, okay? That is with 100 likely voters. And he was in sixth place in that poll. And Stephen A., he was in sixth place when they when Tim did the first poll in December. They are unmoved. Now, you ask me why, is that the case? I suspect, even though it's not supposed to be this way, even though we're supposed to judge the MVP on this season, and he is doing exactly what you want, which is being a team player, stepping back a little bit to allow his talented teammates to, to thrive, and also playing great defense on a great team, I think the voters carry over scar tissue of what happened to him the last couple of playoffs. They will remember the less-than-stellar finals he had two years ago, including the Game 6 where they were on their home court and got eliminated and he had a bad game. Nah. They will remember his poor game seven against no. the Miami Heat yeah. last year. For some reason, nah. he doesn't get the credit for the 51-point game he had against the Sixers in that well, game seven. Well, riddle me this. 
Yep. Well, Riddle me this. How does he get it held against him, but Embiid didn't get it held against him with Philadelphia wetting the bed in the semifinals yet again? Because he scored 70, bro. What? I, I'm talking I about will last say, year. I will say this. He has very good upward mobility. Some of the people in front of him have faltered a little bit, and the Celtics have a ton a of very high-profile games coming. He has a runway to do it, Stephen A., but he is fighting a little bit, uh, fair or not, of what's happened the last couple of years. Right, rightly or wrongly, also, too, Stephen A., it, MVP is sort of this collection of moments, right? Unfortunately, Jason Tatum shouldn't be punished for the past two seasons, but when you think of the year that Joel Embiid was having, he had done these historic things like the 70-point game that just had people's eyes popping out of their heads. I actually think that Jason gets penalized a little bit more for the team around him, and frankly, the Celtics have been so good so far this year that it hasn't been as much a part of the conversation, and maybe that's partly our fault as well. But I actually okay. think he gets a little bit penalized for playing right. alongside Jalen Brown. I got to hit the top fault. of the hour. Thirty seconds, SA. It is. It is. It is our fault. We we need to do a better job of calling it like it is. He deserves to be a leading candidate for league MVP honors. And oh, by the way, the only argument that I want to hear against him is Shea Gilgis Alexander. I don't want to hear about saying, no Giannis the way Milwaukee has looked. Right I don't want to hear about Luca the way Dallas has looked at times. I don't want to hear about Jokic and the Denver Nuggets are the fourth seed oh, that's in the Western Conference. Next. I get it. What about Boston? Thanks for They're that, Best Tia. record in basketball. Hey, Stephen A., relax. Please. You got a big coaching gig this weekend, Celebrity All-Star Game. Oh, yeah. Shannon's going to bring his A game. Just settle down. Save, Save your that. energy. Save it. <laughs> Might be yelling. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.